Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 88. This is a year-end reporting of Fringe Benefits and Other Earnings. I know the year isn't over yet, but it, it will be soon. So this episode is to help you prepare for year-end from the standpoint of reporting and paying payroll taxes on earnings and compensation that wasn't processed through your normal payroll. There are forms of cash compensation that often don't get run through the payroll system, and therefore they don't get taxed on time. Things like cash bonuses, gift cards, expense reimbursements that don't qualify as non-taxable payments. And then there's tangible and intangible personal property that's uh, normally held for investment or the transfer of real property. And I know those last two things don't happen too often, but sometimes they do. There's also many forms of non-cash fringe benefits, and some of those are taxable income, and they require withholding payment and reporting of taxes before the end of the year. So all taxable compensation from these categories needs to be processed through the payroll system. The taxes need to be withheld, paid, and reported. Cash payments should have been included in the payroll when they were paid out, or in the case of personal and real property when the transfer took place. Now, most small employers either fail to report those earnings or end up reporting them to their payroll service provider or their payroll manager after the end of the year. And at that point, you've incurred penalties and interest on the corresponding tax. So it's a good time to start figuring out what needs to be calculated and processed in the payroll system so the taxes are reported and paid on time and you're not late sending out your W-2s. Cash and cash equivalent payments, like I said, are taxable when they're paid, but non-cash fringe benefits can generally be processed through payroll at the end of the year without any late reporting or payment penalties. So here's the basic process that you should follow at the end of the year to identify what fringe benefits were paid, if they're taxable, how to value them, and then how you should be withholding, paying, and reporting the taxes. And your guide for this is the IRS Publication 15B, the Employer's Tax Guide to Fringe Benefits. Okay, so first off, what did you pay in fringe benefits? You need to look for anything that you gave your employees that wasn't processed through payroll. Things like cash, gift cards, relocation payments, group term life insurance, or personal use of a company vehicle. I've provided a long list of examples in the show notes so you can check that out. And that might help you figure out what you paid to your employees. Now that you've identified those fringe benefits, you have to determine whether or not they're taxable. So all fringe benefits are taxable unless they're specifically excluded from income or have a special tax rule, either in whole or in part. And to identify these fringe benefits, you would go to Section 2 of Publication 15B, and any benefits that are not excluded under that section are taxable. And Section 2 doesn't exclude all amounts. For example, achievement awards. The first $1,600 is excluded from income, 
if you have a qualified award plan, which is a written plan or a program that doesn't favor highly compensated employees when it comes to eligibility or benefits. If you don't have a qualified award plan, then only the first 400 is excluded from income. So if, for example, you give your employee a $1,000 watch as an achievement award and you don't have a qualified plan, then you need to process a $600 taxable earning through your payroll. If you have a qualified award plan, then you don't have to report any of it. So as a side note, an award isn't a qualified plan if the coverage costs of all the employee achievement awards that you've given during the tax year is more than $400. And when you're coming up with that average, you can't include awards of nominal value to help lower the average. So there are 20 specific fringe benefits that have some variety of special exclusion rules. So if you've paid one of them, find the explanation in Section 2 and read it. There's just too many to go over in this episode. Now, how do you value the taxable fringe benefits? Well, there are five rules, and four of them apply to transportation. So you'll use the first rule, the general valuation rule, for most fringe benefits. Now, there's also a special valuation rule that you can use for meals provided at a eating facility that you operate for your employees. Oh, and there's also an aircraft fringe benefit valuation rule. So I guess there's five generals and two specials. So the general valuation rule uses fair market value, which is the amount that an employee would have to pay a third party in an arm's length transaction to buy or lease the benefit. And you don't ask your employee what they consider the value to be. That doesn't matter, and neither does your cost to provide it. That's not what determines fair market value. For employer-provided vehicles, the fair market value is the amount your employee would have paid a third party to lease the same or similar vehicle on the same or comparable terms in the geographic area where they use the vehicle. There are other ways to calculate the value of a company-provided vehicle. There's a cents per mile rule, a commuting rule, and a lease value rule. And lastly, there's one that, frankly, I wasn't aware of, and it's called the unsafe conditions rule. That's really not for providing a company vehicle. It's for providing transportation. Basically, it's transportation that you provide due to unsafe conditions. But what the heck does that mean? Well, an unsafe condition exists if, under the facts and circumstances, a reasonable person would consider it unsafe for the employee to walk or use public transportation at the time of day that they have to commute. And one factor indicating whether it is unsafe is the crime history in the geographic area surrounding the workplace or home at the time of day that they have to go back and forth. It only applies when your employee would normally walk or use public transportation to get home, and you have to have a written policy that says there's no personal use of the benefit and your employee doesn't, in fact, use the benefit for personal use. So, for example, you could pay the Uber bill where these conditions are met. And it only applies to hourly paid employees who are entitled to overtime and who don't earn more than 120000 a year. So just when I think government laws, regulations, and rules can't get any dumber, you know, I come across yet another ridiculous one. So the final step is withholding, reporting, and paying. Basically, you have until January 31st 
to calculate the value of the non-cash fringes for the prior year. If you want to calculate, process, and pay the tax on a more frequent pay period, you're certainly welcome to do that. So, for example, maybe you want to process the personal use of a company vehicle on a quarterly basis and process it on the first payroll of the following quarter. Now, this doesn't apply to tangible or intangible property. For that stuff, the date the transfer happened is the actual pay date. As for the tax calculation, you can either add the value to regular wages and let the software calculate the amount to be withheld, or you can use the supplemental tax rate, which is 25%, and that's for federal income tax. Either way, you'll need to deduct Social Security and Medicare and pay the matching tax as well. Now, if you wait until the last minute, until January 31st to do this, then you'll have to process a supplemental payroll and date it 1231 so that you can get the earnings on the fourth quarter form 941. And if you're a daily, semi-weekly, or monthly depositor, then that means that the 941 tax that's due as a result of those earnings that you're processing are going to be late. So what you're actually supposed to do is figure it all out before 1231, even if you have to estimate the amount and run it through payroll and pay the tax on time. And then you have until 131 to come up with the actual amount and make adjustments before you issue W-2s. Now, if you can't get the calculations done by 1231, then you could invoke a special accounting rule that allows you to shift the November and December amounts to the following year. So the value of the last two months' fringe benefits can be treated as having been paid in the following year. You have to remember that only the value of the benefits that were actually provided during the last two months can be treated that way. All right, well, there you have it. And remember, if you have any questions for me, don't hesitate to reach out on smallbizbrainiac.com. Unlike the government, I'm here to help. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.